Okay, Jensen, so we're recording this uh, on a Tuesday evening, uh, Australian Eastern Time. And events over the last few hours have really forced our hand in, in changing the agenda for this chat, mate. And just over the last few hours, and I don't know if you've been, you know, you know, listening or following Twitter, but Woj has had a very busy evening or morning, American time. He dropped himself a few Woj bombs. Are you ready for this? Yeah, let's hear it. All right. So the Milwaukee Bucks just throwing everything out there to make sure they keep Giannis beyond next year. Two big trades. One, Bogdan Bogdanovic from the Sacramento Kings Ooh. for Ersan Ilyasova, uh, Did Vincenzo, and DJ Wilson. Okay. Number two, they acquired Drew Holiday from the New Orleans Pelicans for Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, and three future first round picks. Jensen, what do you make of this? First off, always been a fan of Drew Holiday. I think he's uh, the best. I mean, you know, Justin's got a bit to go, a bit to go, but yeah, Drew, you know, former All Star. Pretty consistent player, uh, underrated, you know, in a lot of in a lot of sense in terms of the uh, All NBA. I don't think he's made uh, many, if any, throughout his whole career. Um, but three first rounders—that is—it's uh, a big haul. Yeah, that's. I mean, you scratch your head in mm-hmm. terms of. I mean, like, first question is, who are they bidding against? Like to, mm-hmm. to 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 force to force that sort of a trade. I mean, what would what would a competing team or what would anybody else to, you know, not saying he's a bad player. Anybody could use him on the team, but what sort of market was there for Drew Holiday? You know, prior to the finals finishing and the mm-hmm. off season starting, I I don't think I think the answer to that is uh, not many. I mean, you know, the only other team that would give away. That many, uh, well, I mean, Lakers don't have any first round picks. Uh, sorry to say, Mo. Until so right, we don't need them, mate. We just we just win rings. <laughs> you don't need draft picks when you win rings. But anyway, yeah, keep going. The rings, rings, and things. Uh, you know, you'd struggle <laughs> to think. Uh, I mean, Houston, they gave away a bunch as well. So yeah, these win now teams. Uh, maybe the Nets. I mean, the, the Celtics have a plethora of them, but I mean, they, they haven't been really been hitting considering their recent. Uh, teams and you know underperforming uh, finals runs and whatnot, but yeah, I mean, I struggle to think why it just baffles me. I mean, two realistically is probably overpaying it. Three is just like now, now you just don't respect the process. And you you really don't value the drafts, or you know, I mean, well, it's uh, it's it wasn't just three picks, right? Eric Bledsoe and George Hill gone as yeah. well. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, George Hill, you could argue a bit past it. Eric Bledsoe, a bit of a liability uh, in terms of his um, uh, usage rate and his um, shot output, and you know, a uh, bit of a defensive liability, you could say. Um, I were to say before the end of the season and the way they went in the finals uh, or the playoffs, sorry, if there was ever somebody that they would look to pass on. It'd be um, Bledsoe, but yeah, George Hill would be past it. And those are two diminishing assets. Don't really mind that. The three first rounders, though, that's just uh, that's their future, well, so to speak. But I mean, I guess you know, as long as you keep um, the big man Giannis happy, then we're all good. And I think that's what they were betting against, Jensen. You were asking what market was out there, and I think it was about the market. I think uh, the Pelicans knew that any move Milwaukee's making is to actually to appease Giannis, to show him they're all in, to show him they're trying to surround him with the best players they can around him to make sure that he stays and signs that supermax that they want him to sign, right? And every move they're making um, has to be seen from that prism because I don't think anyone else, whoever was going to bid for um, Holiday, was going to come anywhere near that sort of haul that the Pelicans got. And, you know, I'm starting to be very apprehensive about all of the the um, first round draft stacking that happens in these small market teams. And just for me, it's a bit of a, a cycle that goes nowhere. They have all of these picks. They might trade a few of them for a star. They come for a couple of years. They realize they can't win. They leave and then they start the process all over again. I mean, they do a good job of getting um, hauls and trade assets, but ultimately they don't amount to much winning. But anyway, that's a separate topic. 
Giannis now is with Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. And really, I mean, I'm just thinking about what does Holiday provide above and beyond what they had already, right? I mean, Holiday is not going to give you, you know, 20 plus points a game. He's amazing defensively. I'm not sure that Milwaukee needed more defense, to be honest. Um, will he stretch the floor further for Giannis so that when Giannis is driving and everyone collapses on him, he has another target to give? I think Bogdan can play some of that role, but Bogdan's averaged 15 points for his career on 37% shooting from the three-point line. So decent enough, but nothing that is like Carl Korver-like or anything of that nature where people are really going to respect him that much. Um, is he an upgrade on Did Vincenzo and Ilyasova? Yeah, you can say so. You know, Ersan was a pretty decent three-point shooter. Not much of a defender, though. Um, although, you know, he would have his moments. So, I don't know, mate. I'm I'm a bit apprehensive about those moves. I think they're good players. But but I'm thinking about what what's the ultimate goal for Milwaukee, and that is to win a championship or at least make the finals, right? And I'm not sure with everything else that's happening in the East, these moves are, are the right ones to get them there. So, I don't know. A bit of question marks for me around those. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think, um, you know, East is least, uh, West is best. That <laughs> that part's always ran a bit true. Um, so, yeah, I think on the East side, it's more stacking teams to beat certain matchups or like the staples that you know are going to be there or thereabouts in the Celtics and now the Brooklyn Nets and uh, obviously Philly. I mean, depending on what happens this offseason. But, um, but, yeah, you're right. Net is it a net positive? Is it a net gain? Yeah, you struggle to say yes, uh, and you've lost that continuity now with uh, the team. I mean, um, stack on top of that, you know, a shortened off season, as well as having the COVID restrictions and protocol and all those things you got to follow. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how they go. Um, yeah, I think it's just more much of uh, muchness for the team in that they probably just needed to yeah shake things up a bit which obviously they have but how uh our three first round picks fall out of that uh fall out of that uh, shake up that's something that they need to reconcile and you know only their their head office would know how but yeah I, I get your point and it's a valid point about the vicious cycle so yeah um something had to be done probably um, in their term in their eyes and you know, it's worth the roll, uh, roll of the dice. And so we, yeah, it, I mean, it's hard for us to speculate now because we're, we haven't seen that. We only see that team on paper. Yeah. And a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks ago, Eric and I were talking about this and how we said, you know, is Chris Middleton really the number two for Giannis? And, and what they've done is they've gone away and I don't know, ESPN, ESPN sort of mentioned this as a big three, which made me laugh a little. Um, for Milwaukee in in Giannis, Chris, and Drew Holiday. And so now that this thing is official, and now you've got Bogdan, and, you know, Brooke Lopez is still there, so Brooke Lopez would be in the starting five. Mm. You know, how far will this starting five go as compared to a starting five that, you know, probably had Eric Bledsoe in there instead of, um, you know, Bogdanovich and George Hill um, instead of Holiday? What are, what are your thoughts on that, considering, like you said, the Celtics will come again. Miami have a bit of belief now. Uh, we'll talk about Harden in a second, but you know, just a healthy Durant and Kyrie in Brooklyn is a better combination, I think, than anything Giannis has with him in Milwaukee. And you know, can Doc Rivers unlock Embiid and Ben Simmons, who I think are also a better combination if you can get them to work properly? Uh, they're a better combination also than what. Giannis has you know what are your thoughts on that sort of trio and how far they can take the bucks yeah well I mean you say it's a trio and it's a big three I'd say more uh, you know you kind of have to take those words uh, separately and it's a big big, big one big one and, and two halves yeah pretty much <laughs> and like uh, two number two third options or yeah, three yeah. third options if you put uh, Lopez in there mm. so yeah I mean he doesn't really have much of a yeah much of a Robin to go to his Batman or uh, much of a sidekick, uh, Pippen to Jordan to make a quick comparison. Um, but does he really need it? He just needs these complementary pieces that will sort of share the load. And if that's uh, through uh, through opening up the floor, through consistent play off the bench and rotating with different rosters, 
they seem to carry the load enough uh, defensively and especially offensively in those playoff moments where, you know, the, plenty of film's going to be on Giannis and they're going to be able to game plan for him, zone against him and, you know, really stack, uh, really stack the box uh, or um, when he, when he makes those penetrating drives and like sort of forced him to become a jump shooter. If he has all these complementary pieces that can do their jobs in their own right and generate offense, um, which Middleton wasn't always the best at, um, then, you know, it should work to some degree, but time will tell uh, for me right now. It's yeah, not, yeah, it's not much of a net positive. <laughs> They're just different names, you know, <laughs> um, thrown in the washing yeah. machine. So we'll see what, uh, yeah, we'll see how it color comes out. Yep. No, I agree. I think it's uh, much of a muchness. I don't think who they've brought in will really move the ball around that much to create that much offense around uh, Giannis. Uh, but, yeah, like you said, maybe they had to shake things up, just show him that they're uh, serious about keeping him. Let's see if it works. You know who they actually need, though, Mo? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's, he's the secret MVP for all the Laker haters out there. Uh, the final series they actually need a rondo type or you know some some rondo something rondo adjacent Uh, yeah you know somebody with that grit defensively can handle his own position at the very least and just that cerebral sort of mind that can you know dissect plays and you know think two steps ahead and knows when to slow things down pick up the pace run a fast break and yeah it's just that like vocal leader you know, he's can become pick out a, that that skill set has become in high demand. That Rondo skill set. There's so many people that want a Rondo or Rondo adjacent or a CP3 type. Um, yeah, but, but but it shows you that ultimately, when you this is the thing about basketball, right? 82 games now, it's 72. You know, whatever. But regular season, sure, you can play up and down and transition and and nice alley oops and dunks and threes pouring everywhere and all the rest of it. That's fantastic. But when you get to the playoffs, it's really when you play, and I want to call it real basketball, but it's what you get trained on as a kid. When coaches run set plays, when you know exactly who your opponent is, what you're trying to do at that time, you know exactly when your teammate is popping off a screen, when they're going to roll to the basket, when they're going to slip a screen, when there's some backdoor screens happening where people setting up for three-point shots, when you're going to drive. It just becomes such a different game. And it comes down back to ultimately fundamentals. And mm. Giannis proved really in the playoffs that if you're planning for him, I mean, how much did his athleticism carry him really when in the playoffs? It just didn't, it wasn't enough to get him over the line. You had to have sort of sound basketball, uh, you know, ball handlers, decision makers, people who did not shrink under pressure like Bledsoe to actually get you places. And, you know, you hope that with that trade, Holiday doesn't shrink under pressure, even though, like I said, I'm not sure what he brings above and beyond offensively. But on defense, you're just shoring yourself up even more. I just don't think they needed more defense um, with the defensive player of the year anyway on your team. But, Mm. you know, that's where the Rondos and the CP3s are becoming so valuable and why LeBron, even at year year 17 and soon to be year 18, is so valuable because come the playoffs, it doesn't matter that he lost a step. It doesn't matter that he can't jump as high, you know, or run as fast anymore because fundamentally he plays basketball, you know, the right way. And as long as you've got that in your back pocket, you're always a chance in the finals. And, it, you know, further proof to that, Jensen, is that the, the San Antonio teams that had, you know, Timmy Duncan, uh, Parker, Ginobili, not the most athletic people. Um, and when they, even when they beat the Heat, it was just good fundamental basketball, passing the ball around, moving to the right spot, being unselfish playing sound defense, taking the right shot, making the extra pass. And and ultimately, you know, you just can't overcome that, right? And so, I don't know, Rondo's got a big market now, but there's another player potentially on the move, Jensen, something that mm. is a, a bit out of left field coming mm. out the last few days. So Harden turned down an extension from the Rockets, which would have had him be the first $50 million player in the NBA. Yes. And... You know, all the people in the know in the States and um, on Twitter and the sports shows and all the rest of it are saying Harden essentially told the Rockets, get me to the Nets. Um, 
you know, it sort of baffles my mind how this could work. If you just look at the salary cap, if you combine the three of these guys, they have like $9 million left under the salary cap. They're all owed $30 million plus, right? And then just the style of play. I mean, can you imagine Kyrie and James Harden sharing a court? Like, who gets to dribble? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, surely they've got to flip a coin be- be- before every possession to say, are you going to take it up? No, I'm going to take it up. You're going to cut to the basket? No, I'm going to dribble, 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 then shoot a three. And then poor Kevin Durant's going to be stuck between these guys. To be honest, I don't see a way this works for the ultimate goal. Like I said, in the regular season, it can be fun with rotations and you might start them all, but then you stagger the minutes and you give one minutes more than the other and it'll be fine. It just there isn't a world I see where this actually works long-term just with the personalities and how these guys love to play basketball. This is not a Steph Curry, Kevin Durant situation, Jensen. James Harden and Kyrie Irving both need the ball all the time. And I don't know how you reconcile that but with having them and Kevin Durant on the floor all at the same time. I mean, I don't even think their amazing basketball talents can overcome that. Well, I'll tell you, uh, I'll give you two reasons, uh, my, my theories as to how. Uh, I, think it's a smart, I think it's a smart ploy by the Nets. Obviously, they don't really care about money because uh, Rock Nation has got things sorted. Uh, shout out to my man, Jay-Z. How much of the I team think... does he even own? Oh, he's a partial, uh, you know, it'll start arguing semantics here, mate. You know, you know, you know, you know what it's all about. Please, yeah, um, carry on. Yeah, so, yeah, I think uh, I think it was all planned ahead. And, you know, I think uh, he's been spoken, Harden has already been spoken to. He's got a spot laid out for him. And it's more of a redemption tour. Um, basically, on the way to the finals, he will redeem himself for that, uh, I think it was 20, uh, I believe it was 2011 or 2012, finals performance uh, with the OKC where he came off the bench famously. Uh, That's exactly what he's going to do in Brooklyn coming off the bench, you know, in the finals and, you know, running plays, being slicing and dicing and uh, with the razzle dazzle and uh, panache that he has while KD and Kyrie, you know, do the bulk of the work. I think, uh, I think that's Harden's role. He'll, he'll, he'll slot into it pretty nicely. I would say. You know, and as long as he's collecting his big fat paycheck at the end of the day, then all's well that ends well. Uh, and the second point as to, you know, how I think it's all going to work is Steve Nash is now the head coach. My man, Steve, mm-hmm. you know, the OG, Phoenix Bay, the guy with the punk rock haircut, uh, soccer fanatic, Steve Nash is the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets and he's running the show and, you know, he's a savant. So, therefore, they're going to win. Um, I'm... I can lie and say you almost convinced me, but you didn't, right? Yeah, I wasn't trying to, Mo. Um, but, you know, I was just... Uh. So first, <laughs> let me tell you. So, Joe Tsai has full ownership of the Nets. So, don't worry about Rock Nation. This guy's worth $12 billion. I think he'll be fine, right? Mr. Alibaba um, oh. himself, okay? So, we're good, right? So, don't worry <laughs> about the money. You're right. You don't have to worry about the money. It's just not Rock Nation. Like, Jay-Z money doesn't matter to this guy, right? Like, he doesn't even look at Jay-Z money. We're talking about $13, $13 billion, man. All right? So, that's fine. They'll, they'll make the salary cap work. I have no, no problem. I would have thought if you had a reason that this would work, it's because Kevin Durant's coming off an Achilles injury, um, you don't want to rush him all the way back. You want to manage his minutes at least at the start and make sure you don't lose him again to an injury midway through the season. And what's a good insurance to that? That if he's sort of on the bench, he's not playing as much. You've got James Harden in the game. Uh, You've got Curry Irving, just two superstars. And so between them, they'll carry the team. Now, before James Harden, before there was even talk about James Harden going to the Nets, I already had him coming out the East, Jensen. Like I really oh, yeah? had, yeah, like Kyrie and Kevin Durant, like a healthy Kyrie and Kevin Durant, plus like uh, Joe Har- uh, Harris, uh, Dinwiddie, Levert, all of that team around them. This is a good team. And that, that squad made the playoffs without them last season. Don't, don't forget that as well, right? I mean, they got swept, but they made the playoffs without their two best players. And you add those two players back in, um, and that team's going to go all the way. Like, I don't think Miami 
I think, you know, Miami had one of those seasons where it was like the Bulldogs when they won the premiership. It was just like one of those seasons where everything sort of worked out. They had the right balance, etc. They went all the way, of course, came up against the Lakers, you know, um, you know, the, the matchup was just too, too one-sided there. But I don't think Miami's going to back up what they did this year the same way. Because I think, you know, Philly, if Philly's healthy, you know, they'll, they'll, take, them, they'll take them on. Nets are healthy. They'll, they'll beat them 4-2 easy in a, in a playoff series, right? So I already had them doing really well. What do you have to give up to get James Harden is the other question. Yeah, I think the early... Um... Yeah, the early pundits are saying that they will have to give up some combination of Dimwitty, uh, Levert, and uh, the other one, Allen, um, which is, yeah, you're basically gutting your home talent. But, you know, Joe, Joe Harris, I'm a Joe Harris stand, so have been since day one. He's a three-point contest uh, winner, can mm-hmm. space the floor, pretty good defender, uh, rocks a rickety beard, so, you know, I'm always down with that and... Uh, yeah, I'm a big I mean, fan too. I think he's one a very sound shooter. He's consistent. He's reliable. He does his role well, and I think he's a great compliment to these guys because he doesn't need the ball. He can just sit in the corner, get him, get him to do the work. You know, Durant and Kyrie, and then just make shots. Uh, he's the know. Clay. He's the Clay Thompson of the East. Ooh, uh, actually, no, nah, don't take that back. That's that's disrespect, uh, Clay, man. Yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. I, uh, mm, I, I, I shot my shot there. I didn't, didn't land. <laughs> That's all right. That's cool. Hey, at least you, you took it back and not disrespecting Clay. But yeah, man, like I, I think it's a good team and I just I, I don't think it's going to work, man. It's going to be a disaster. These guys are going to get into each other's faces. I think Brooklyn would give up too much to have him. And then after, after a year of it not working, he's going to not sign and go sign somewhere else as a free agent. Um, I think this has disaster written all over it long term. This is not a success if these guys win 55 games in the season and make the playoffs, uh, you know, finishing in the top four. This is not a success. This is not what it's going to come down to. It's, it's really make the finals or bust situation, right? Like if that team, healthy, does not make the finals with Harden, just back up your bags. There's no point, right? And Steve Nash, man, I, don't, I don't know, like what a, what a first job to have as a coach, you know, trying to massage all these egos and coach these guys. Um, yeah. to play basketball together. I think, I mean, it's harder than actually X's and O's, to be honest. Let's just see if Harden actually makes the move. Bad move, put it on record. I think it'll blow up. But it'll be fun to watch, though. Why not? Yeah, uh, good, love a good train wreck. <laughs> Always, mate. Make for the best TV. Speaking of train wrecks, um, Dallas Cowboys, Jensen. Oof. Oof. I've, I've had a lot on my chest the last um, 10 weeks of the NFL season, and... You know, I thought when they started off the season the way they did, I thought, you know what, first game, things, you know, you've got to get used to things. And then they play the Falcons, and we didn't know how bad the Falcons were going to be at that stage. And you know that onside recovery that sort of won us the game in the last second came out, and it was like, you know what, you're going to turn the season around there. But it's just been an unmitigated disaster start to, I'll call it finish now with, we're 10 weeks in, Jensen. Do you know what the funniest part of all this is? You are still in the race. We are still in the race. We could actually win this stupid division. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> we've ever been a part of a worse dif- division, easily the worst division in football. Um, I think five wins might get you to host a playoff game, for God's sake. And yeah. all you need is a half-competent Andy Dalton. And maybe if Zeke... I'm happy for him to put glue on his hands at this stage, to be honest. The number of times he's fumbled the ball has been absolutely ridiculous. We have all of these amazing weapons that don't get used properly. And mate, oh, and obviously, you know, wishing that a speedy recovery, but even before he got, he got injured, you know, the number of times Dak was playing really good football when we're like 50 points down versus how Dak was playing when the game was on the line and we needed him to get to put us in front. It's just ridiculous. Like, I don't know if it was something in the psyche or how, how the team was set up, but playing from behind, he just sort of looks a lot looser. When I say looser, as in he's more relaxed and he's happy to take his shots. And then he, he puts up all these numbers. He's still like in the top, uh, you know, the top five, I think, in in sort of a yards per completion as well, right? So, but that's not the point. Like, I don't want this when we're 30 points down. I need you to have these performances when we're actually... You know, at the start of the game, when we need to build a lead and, and beat teams we're supposed to, to beat. And then the defense, 
is an absolute shocker as well. But, you know, Dak's out now. The season's really ruined. It's just funny that we might actually win the division. I'd rather us, you know, finish um, in the bottom two or three and get a really good draft pick, you know, for the quarterback sweepstakes that are coming up. Uh, but, yeah, mate, shocking season. Um, McCarthy, you know, just proven that he's really an average coach without um, having Aaron Rodgers there. I just wanted to get that off my chest before we move on to real football. <laughs> no, fair enough. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know how else to put it, but uh, your Cowboys stink. And, um, <laughs> you know, which is uh, not speaking from much of a uh, much higher ground in that my Pats also very, very disappointing year for us. And, uh, you know, the departure uh, of our ex-quarterback slash saviour, Tom Brady, has uh, left us in in a wallowing mess. Um, but, yeah, I, I would say to some extent I do know how you feel. But, yeah, that mean McCarthy, it comes down to his coaching. Can I just, coaching. Jensen, just one second? Right. Oh, yes. You you do not know how I feel. Let's yeah, just be right. clear about that, right? Like nine Super Bowls, six wins in 20 years, you do not know how I feel. Yeah, you're right. I was uh, I was posturizing there, mate. Way yeah. to call me out. Yeah, that's you know cool, man. Like, I'm 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 in a very vulnerable state right now, and like you know that sort of, you know, those vibes, man. It's just anyway. Let's <laughs> NFC. First of all, can I just say the NFC in general? There isn't a standout team. I look at the NFC, you know, I see the Packers leading their division. Um, I see the Cardinals, who like by the way, I know we're jumping around a bit, but I just keep thinking about the Texans trade and letting go of Hopkins and how terrible oh. that's looking, you know, game after game. And, you know, amazing, amazing Hail Mary catch. The DBs looked like they were in good good position, actually. But Hopkins oh, just... 50 was, of them. But, mate, there were three, right, you know, one in front of him, two behind him. But he just went up and made the play. Kudos, right? The West is pretty tight. Um, you know, Cardinals, Rams, Seahawks, all the same division. Cardinals reading, leading inside the division with the win, so they're top. Um, and then lastly, the NFC South with the Saints and the Buccaneers. Saints 7-2, and two, Bucks 7-3. and three. But no one has really stood out for me on the NFC side that you go, you know what, that's the team that's going to come out and actually going to go to the Super Bowl. I think it's anyone's game right now. And, um, you know, I don't trust Tampa too much. I think if they can't protect Tom, they're in a lot of trouble. And we saw that um, with how, you know, the, not, not this week's performance, but the one before. Um, you know, they had a pretty bad loss. And then the Saints, um, I think Breeze has a collapsed lung and he's broken a few ribs. So, you know, yeah. I don't know, Jameis Winston, mate, um, might hand the division to Tampa <laughs> if he's <laughs> Jameis of old. And then, of course, you know, NFC East, which we spoke about briefly. I don't even think we need to touch on that um, division and waste our time. But how do you think your mate Tom Brady has fared in Tampa since the move? And uh, what, do you, what do you think the ceiling is for this team? Yeah, I think um, I think it was always going to be uh, progressive and um, you know de- developmental in the early stages, and you know incrementally they were, would gel more, uh, having the absence of an off season, proper off season, especially with the new team. You know, after he's had so much continuity with um, the Patriots, um, but you know the pieces. I mean, they've had enough time to gel now. I think Brady's starting to, you know, start, starting to develop some chemistry. But I mean, that schlacking that they had against uh, the Saints last week, I think, was more symptomatic of um, the Saints being able to rush um, without overcommitting, um, without overcommitting people to the line. And you know, if and it, it sort of shows in the past that Brady isn't the same Brady that he was 10 years ago. He can get to him uh, without overcommitting um, pass rushes and you, you will make things difficult for him. And um, the Saints have the personnel for that. Other NFC teams do have the personnel for that uh, that comes to mind. Probably the Bears, um, you know, definitely the Rams and uh, even the Cardinals have a good pass rush. Um, even the Niners in the past, but obviously... You know, everybody knows what happens to Bosa out there. Speed to recovery for him. I think now if Winston can just hold on, they have the head-to-head against the Bucks. 
Uh, so, yeah, it could be the Saints division at the end of the day when it's all said and done. Because um, Jameis Winston, despite, you know, despite all evidence to the contrary, he was actually a very good offensive QB in Tampa. He just, you know, he just had a knack for throwing away interceptions. But he did... Yeah, just um, <laughs> threw the ball yeah, to did. the opposition as much as he did. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, but even despite that, he, um, you know, he would think it was top three in passing yards for the for the season. So, yeah, that's to count for something. And apparently, he had some eye surgery, so now he's seeing twenty twenty. Is that what so it was? We'll, we'll see. And then you know, who knows what the uh, hybrid uh, gimmick, gimmick, um, walking gimmick that is Taysom Hill can get up to mm. i mean they're certainly paying him enough so you know he he better work double time and you know attend multiple uh, special teams quarterback teams and special position meetings and all that and learn everything because yeah I, I, I just i don't know when sean payton is just going to pull the plug and then just say look you're you know you're not the successor to breeze unfortunately we have to put you out to pasture and you know um, see if there's a market out for you, which I don't really think there is for Jason Hill, to be honest. I think it's a very, it's a very unique uh, skill set that works in unique environments. Uh, I think for what they want him for, this that dual threat occasionally, essentially holding, you know, getting the snap and then running in almost yeah. like a, a wildcat scenario. Uh, yeah, well, he's, he's quite the you know he's quite built. You know, as as um as a player, he can handle a lot of um hits, etc. So he 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 does play a role for them. Yeah, well, I think it harkens back to what my um high school footy coach uh used to tell me. You know, you can dance around and be here or there, but you ultimately you got to pick a position of six to it because you know, um, jack of all trades, master of none. That's mm. sort of what Jason Hill is. He's the living embodiment of that. Um, so. <laughs> We'll see. But, yeah, you're right, Mo. NFC, to be honest, sneaky chance with the Packers. Um, Mm. I think Rodgers is secretly having a pretty good year. Um, Flying just under the radar, you know, he's sort of giving up the limelight. First couple of, first four weeks or first five weeks to Russell Wilson was taking all the praise. And now you have, you know, um, the Korean superstar that is Kyla Murray. (laughs) Uh, you know, killing things in um, in that same division, actually. And, um, sorry, fantasy superstar, I should say. That guy is about to win me my first uh, fantasy title. So what's happened uh, to my team, by the way? Oh, uh, yeah, uh, it's, um, it's, uh, it's, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, it's uh, not, probably not worth mentioning. Um, yeah. Your, uh, no, Jensen made me enter a fantasy league so that he had an insurance team in case shit hit the fan for him. <laughs> and lo and behold, like I, I check up on that team occasionally. And some of the starters I look at, I'm like, what the hell are you doing, man? Like, doesn't look like he actually wanted a chance to win. But anyway, um, that's all right. Please, <laughs> please continue. Yes, Carla Murray is going to win you your first um, fantasy title. Well, you yeah, know, I mean, uh, yeah, just uh, call my shot a bit early. But yeah, such a such a diminutive player, and um, it's like his campers, you know. Like it's the best way to describe. It's got like these little little feet, little legs, and he just sort of scampers around. It's hilarious, but he's so quick. But this this is what I'm saying. I did a bit of research on him, Mm. as you would, um, you know, being the extreme fantasy freak that I am. Yeah, uh, you go above and beyond, and you know, you learn the name of their first high high school girlfriend and where they had their um, first kiss. All that sort of stuff, natural. Not not creepy um, at all, but yep. Nah. Um, yeah, and then, you know, you learned that, you know, Kyla's mum is uh, half Korean, mm-hmm. but uh, very heavy in that culture. So he's, he grew up with that and, you know, obviously has a black belt in Taekwondo and all that. And this is nice. sort of part and parcel combined with his natural athletic ability. This is, uh, you know, where all of his um, razzle-dazzle moves come from. Um, but yeah, man, he, for somebody so small, I mean, I, I honestly know, you know, I talk a big game, but I'm actually pretty small myself. He's <laughs> probably about my height, um, which isn't saying much, but uh, the way he moves around and, you know, he, and I think somebody was saying this, um, he, 
he lets the play break open and obviously he's got a rocket arm coming from that baseball background. You know how I feel about that. You know, Brady. Mm-hmm. My homeboy. Uh, my homeboy, obviously. Um, and then, yeah, now Kyler. Um, yeah, they've just got that natural motion and that just carries and, um, yeah, it's a, it's sublime. But, yeah, that... He waits for the play to develop, you know, can scramble out and... Um, you can sort of see it's after he's flushed out of the pocket, uh, sort of looking downfield, doesn't see anything and something clicks in his head and he's like, if this, I'm going for it. I'm getting the first down myself. And lo and behold, he does. Um, <laughs> a time and time again, which is amazing because yeah, he has, he has, uh, DB, he, he gets to the point where he has DBs running after him, mostly linebackers and linemen. Uh, yeah, pass rushes, obviously trying to clamor around to get him, but, you know, he'll, he's, he's probably the most elusive, evasive quarterback, you argue, player in the league. Um, and then, yeah, somebody was saying, and if you were to just take his passing, oh, his rushing yards, and his rushing performance and output in terms of touchdowns, he'd be a top five uh, running back in the league. Wow. Just based off that. And then, you know, obviously he has Hop, uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Larry Fitz uh, to compliment him. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. I think, uh, I think bold, bold move um, for by the Cardinals going back to back first round picks uh, with, um, with quarterbacks being Josh Rosen, taking mm. Josh Rosen in that one, uh, in that one year, you know, making the call on him the next year to draft Kyler Murray. That's uh that was a bold move, but yeah, it seems to be panning out for him. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I know sometimes we pan clubs, myself included for not sticking with certain players. Yeah. You know, a year in people need time, but sometimes you just see enough, you know, you, someone just sort of got it or they don't. And, you know, clearly, and it's been proven now that, look, no, Rosen just doesn't have it. And they made the right decision picking a quarterback in the draft that they did. And for those wondering, Kyle Murray is 178 centimetres tall. So he is, he is quite a small guy. Like, you know, the Koreans are doing well in the NFL, Jensen. You've got Young Hoku, oh, um, you know, Falcon star, who's an absolute gun. Can't seem to miss that guy. So... Pretty impressive. I think he's 21 on 22 for the season uh, for field goals. So it's pretty good. Yeah, he was first uh, first came on my radar when the Pats last year were, um, I think the year before, were looking for a um, kicker after Gostiowski was, yeah, just um, misfiring pretty much every second attempt. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we could have had him. Could have, should have, would have, Bill. Belichick, uh, but it's all right. You know, he's, he's the coach of the century, coach, uh, greatest coach of all time. So, you know, he, he has his misses. <laughs> see every single wide receiver ever drafted <laughs> in perpetuity. A... <laughs> Have that. Like, I mean, he, look, they've missed on a few picks the last few years, you've got to say. Yeah. Uh, oh, it hasn't yeah. been the best drafting yeah. by the Patriots. I mean, everybody has their kryptonite and, you know, um, they do. Patriots they do. for us so far are first-round picks. Uh, a, um, the AFC, right? I know Pittsburgh are undefeated, but I feel like it's a bit, it's a bit of a, I want to say call it a fraud, but it's a bit misleading. Um, I know you can only beat who you play, but if you look at the fixture they've had, and I think it, you know, goes back to the season they had last year, but, you know, they played essentially so they're playing the NFC East this year. You know how they do rotations with um oh, yeah. with conferences and you know, people who don't know, like the NFL schedule can get pretty complex just because of the teams they have and they only play sixteen games a season, you have thirty teams, so they figured out a way how to play teams and you play them on rotation. Point being they um they they had the NFC East this year. So that's like essentially it should be four from four. They've got three wins. I know they just sort of just creep past the Cowboys, um, funnily enough, a couple of weeks back. Uh, 
Jensen. <laughs> but then a pretty comprehensive win over the Bengals with Joe Burrows, who's been another really good rookie quarterback. There's been a really good class of rookie quarterbacks this season as well. Oh, yeah. I think outside of the Ravens win, uh, Jensen, they've had a pretty easy run. They've beaten the Giants, the Broncos, the Texans, who've been absolutely shocking. Um, the Browns, the Titans, who are okay, and then the Cowboys, the Bengals, and and the Ravens, who again, I'm not sure what Lamar Jackson where he is this season. I don't think he's, you know, he's obviously not having anywhere near the year he had last season, and I doubt they're going to make any waves. What, what do you make of the Pittsburgh Steelers and their undefeated start? I think it's just solid coaching, Mo. I think, um, I think, uh, and that stability, especially at quarterback, and um, you know that conveyor belt of um, top top-notch wide receivers that they have. So, you know, um, being able to pick up talent in later, in the latter parts of the drafts. I mean, you harken back to when they picked up Antonio Brown and I think the fourth or um, third or fourth round. Um, yep. Yeah, which was, which is crazy considering somebody of his talent. And, mm. um, and yeah. Now you Juju. At, I mean, yeah, Juju's, yeah, Juju and uh, Claypool and, who's probably looking like a better prospect than Juju in Washington. And, mm. um, but yeah, Mike Tomlin, you know, has never dropped a season. How good, how amazing. 14 years, no yeah. defeated, no losing seasons. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, he's just a solid coach, knows how to work the team, knows when to make the big calls, like especially with Antonio Brown and, you know, Le'Veon, who both those guys now, since they've departed, the uh, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, yeah, they're definitely not putting out uh, uh, as much on the pitch, or if they can get on the pitch. I mean, now Antonio Brown's back, but even so, um, no, I just think they're a well, well coached team. I think they'll they know what to do in those close games, especially against the Cowboys, and you would say against the Ravens. So they're not going to beat themselves. Is uh, basically what I'm trying to say. Uh, it is, yes, it is a bit of a misnomer given just their baseline talent that they are 0-9. Oh, I reckon they're nine liable to drop. Sorry, 9-0. <laughs> nine nine uh, big pun. I reckon they're liable to drop a game or two. I reckon mm. the um, next next uh, lineup against the Ravens, uh, I think is a must win for the Ravens. So I might just tip them and... Uh, I don't know, Jaguars, maybe a bogey team. Uh, definitely the Bills are going to be a bit of a struggle. Uh, Washington Bengals, I think they've got those as well. Colts might do some things. And the Browns to round off the season. Who knows what the combination of Nick Chubb and uh, Kareem Hunt can do. Uh, the only certainty is that Baker Mayfield is good at one thing and one thing only. It's making commercials. Those progressive commercials, <laughs> they're, uh, they're sublime. But Yes, uh, in actual see, performance. See what he does at home. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Because uh, well, you know what? If he doesn't start lifting his play and you know to wind back the clock into the, that Heisman winning uh, QB with the uh, with the accuracy rate of uh, you know the the accuracy rate uh, pushing uh, pushing those greater heights and limits, then he will be on the TV or he will be on his couch more so, mm. more to speak, watching the TV. Pretty soon. Yeah, dis- disappointing, mate, in Cleveland. I think OBJ, word is OBJ wants out uh, as well. And, you know, he's just he's just not the right fit. I mean, he's he, you know, he was supposedly he had that swagger and, you know, could carry himself and be, be a decent leader around the block. And that's all fine. But you've got to know how to throw the ball in the, you know, most important um, position uh, on any team uh, in football. So... Yeah, he better pick up his game. I, you know, I don't think they're going to go anywhere. For mine, Jensen, Kansas City are still the team to beat, and it's not close. Um, eight and one, Patrick Mahomes, twenty-five touchdowns, one interception on the whole season. This guy's absolutely amazing. It's it's a bit effortless if you ask me, and I think we've become a bit uh, sort of immune to it. We sort of expect it, and we don't give him the props that he deserves. Uh, yeah, for me, he's absolutely amazing. I love watching him play. He's just absolutely gone. They play the Raiders next. It'll be a good test. They had a bye this week. 
we'll see how they go. Amazing team around him, obviously. Kelsey's there, you know, my favourite tight end. So he's got good weapons. But for mine, still, the Chiefs are the team to beat uh, overall. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, they're the well, they're the reigning Super Bowl champs, so they're uh-huh. always going to be the team to beat. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I tend to agree with you, Mo. They might come up against a decent team in the Raiders who've put out some really good performances this year. To be honest, for me, a bit of a misnomer. Uh, everybody keeps rating Derek Carr, and yeah, he makes some good plays. But when it comes down to crunch time, when it comes to those must-win games, I don't trust him. Like, I know he's I know he's uh, been to the Pro Bowl and all that, and, you know, he's had some good performances in the past. And, yeah, they did win against the Chiefs earlier in the year, uh, giving him their only loss. But mm, I don't know, man. I don't feel mm. it. I reckon, uh, I reckon it'll be found out. I reckon six and three right now. Uh, you know, this sort of hanging in the balance because you have another loss to that. They're six and four, pretty much very close to five and five. They could tell spin. I don't, I really don't trust Derek Carr as the face of a franchise. Just having seen him over the past, um, you know, three, four years. Um, I don't know. He just feels like, it feels like a quarterback who's sort of um, front running, likes to chest pump mm, a lot. Yeah. Um, doesn't have enough of that um, gravitas in his uh, confidence in just his own ability and to let his actions do the do the talking um, on the field. But yeah, so we'll see where we go with that. Definitely, Chiefs are going to win that division. So it's just a matter of competing for a wild card spot for the Raiders. Josh Allen, mm. AFC East. Oh, you beat me to it. Mm. Oof. Mm. The, uh, as somebody likes to say, the white Cam Newton. <laughs> Sorry, white, healthy Cam Newton. <laughs> now that in the yes. same division, you can see them playing all the time. Yeah, because, I mean, that boy is a man mountain. Mm. And, um, and he can fling the ball, to be honest, a lot more crisp and cleaner and deeper than Cam Newton mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. ever could. Yep. So now it's just about the running game, you know, how they how they want to do the uh, QB draws or the RPOs and whatnot. And, um, but, yeah, he's got a solid weapon. Uh, he's got, he's, got, he's got Cole Beasley, babe. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Man. Yeah, I was going to say Cole, Bill, Cole Beasley and a decent complimentary piece in Stefan Diggs, uh, <laughs> who's on pretty good coin, so I hear. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, the fact that, you know, Devin Singletary can't even get a touch because, you know, Josh Allen is that good of a runner. Mm. It's, uh, you know, it, it, it speaks to it speaks to how how solid he is of a player, and yeah, it's just credit to their development and his development. You know that he, um, yeah, he went on to the off season, uh, worked on his craft, and has now come back with well better players but also a better game so i think he's uh well suited mm. to you know take over the mantle of the afc east until bill belichick finally decides to stop letting his sons do the coaching for him <laughs> as an experiment <laughs> and take a, take the freaking steering wheel back Ouch, man. Like, Come on, bill. You, you guys Jeez. are so harsh hey like the yeah. guy can't even have you know they're gonna have a, a, a 500 season when it's said and done and uh, maybe a bit more, you know, Miami's having a decent year with Tua even since he's taken over. They're, they're undefeated as well. So, you know, even though Fitzpatrick was a bit angry with it. But, geez, you guys are harsh. I know, like, so spoiled up there in the Northeast. You know, yeah, winning for yeah. so long. Um, the guy can't even have a bit of a season where he resets and, and sees what he can do with his team. I can't, mate. Shocking, man. You can't. Because we know the grind that it mm. takes to get to these multiple Super Bowls. And you know what? Bill's not about it this year. He's just something in him. Yeah, no, man. Maybe He's age. to his sons. Age, man. Oh, I mean, I wouldn't start calling him a geriatric straight away. I just, uh, you know, he, 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 he's, he still needs to garner some sort of reverence there. But, um, you know, he's... His his mind's just out of it. He's deferred yeah. to his sons, who are running the defense for him. Offense, obviously, is always going to go to McDaniel's, so he's just taking a back seat. Maybe he's coaching the special teams. Uh, who knows? Um, 
and he's you know he's he's dipped his hand into making bloody commercials. It's a freaking subway commercial, mate. What is this? I mean, it's upside down world. He's Tom Brady's in Tampa, and Bill Belichick is making freaking subway commercials. I know. This right? is. Uh, I mean, Tom. what's next? What's next? Is Happy Gilmore on the PGA tour? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's, no, uh, world's lost its marbles, hey? Yeah. Um, oh, well, I mean, uh, aside from COVID, uh, I think, um, you know, I think they elected Biden, so they got something right. So at least it tells us that, uh, you know. <laughs> you know, look, obviously, I think Tom's enjoying the tropics. He's getting used to his teammates, just like you said. You know, Bruce has had a go at him a couple of times. He's had a, he's had a go at his offensive line, but Jesus, does he have weapons or what? I think he's definitely left uh, to a more favourable uh, situation compared to New England. But, uh, you know, I think you're right. Josh Allen, 196 centimetres, 107 kilograms. Man mountain is the right term. Hard to bring down. You know when he stretches over for the quarterback sneaks? Jeez, mate, like... You are not stopping him a yard out, that's for sure. No, he's uh, yeah, he's definitely um, yeah, he's definitely a beefcake. Yeah, he's the type of guy that you see in the gym. Uh, it sort of makes you, yeah, sort of makes you just want to go down to the Pilates section and just do some stretches, light <laughs> stretches for forty minutes until you know he leaves the building because you you don't need that sort of emasculation. No, um, no, I agree you know, with on that. a daily basis. I agree um, with that. Ten weeks in, Jensen. Uh, give me a Super Bowl pick. Who's making? Who's making the Super Bowl? Both conferences. It's it's a tough one. I think, honestly, I think Reed has shored up his deficiencies as a coach. I don't think. Uh, I don't think there's a head coach in the AFC uh, that can match up against uh, Reed and Patrick Mahomes. And obviously they're complementary pieces, so definitely the Chiefs from the AFC, mm-hmm. the NFC. Yeah, you just got to roll the dice with that. I, mm, I love Kyler, but I, I reckon they're going to drop some. Uh, they might end up being a wild card team as soon as, um, as soon as Russell Wilson, you know, uh, gets back to being Mister Unlimited or Infinity or something, whatever he calls himself. Um, Why nickname yourself, by the way? Who goes around and does that? I guess, you know, only superstar <laughs> quarterbacks uh, who are married to, you know, ex-pop stars. But yeah, it, it, it will be anywhere between Wilson, Rogers. Mm, I don't want to say it. Oh, I don't, I don't want to jinx him. Oh, I love him so much, though. So. And the Bucks. Yeah, no, I said it. Yeah. Right. So one of the three, I'm gonna look pick. At, look, at, look at you being so non-committal, though. I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick Rogers. Yeah. I think secret. I think he's. Uh, I think he's way well past you for his second Super Bowl mm. appearance. And, and how good would it be to see Mahomes versus Rogers in a Super Bowl? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you'd almost, yeah, I mean, you'd almost want to take out the tight ends or, <laughs> you know, the extra blockers just yeah, to see them get flushed out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just get them to, uh, flushed out of the pocket and see some yeah. no-look passes from a home matched by, yeah, some... Uh, Discount double yeah, check. Pretty much from Rogers, And then, you know, Allstate. Uh, was it Allstate or was it State Farm? State Farm would have a freaking Phil oh, uh, Dave heart attack. <laughs> oh mate! Against those guys, it's, it's the uh, Patrick Price versus the Rogers rate. I mean, what what more is there to go? <laughs> it's so good. I reckon yes. you get. I reckon you, if if I were a betting man, you could get good odds on those, um, <laughs> and so, parlay that into some it's sort better of better than uh, the Super Bowl. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> uh, and then you know. Uh, not sure what type of odds you get on the entertainment, especially with the COVID this year, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll so it. Patrick uh, Mahomes against Rogers in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. look. That that's my pick too. Um, just judging how the season went, and I know everyone prematurely ordained Russell Wilson as the MVP of the season, but clearly 
he is carrying too much of a load. And for once, Seattle's defense is quite poor. I'm going to say for once. They've been regressing steadily, but this year they can't carry him. And not so much carry him. They're sort of making him score at least 30 points a game for them to win. And, yeah, the last couple of couple of weeks sort of got to him. Yeah. I think the game against Buffalo, wasn't it? They got absolutely slaughtered yeah. um, there. So, you know, uh, yeah, look, yeah. Rogers, Rogers for mine. Seattle's defense is uh, regressing in line with um, uh, Pete Carroll's mental faculties. So I think <laughs> it all works out in the end. Do you know? Do you know when that all started, Jensen? Is when he decided to take his shirt off and show us his guns with uh, DK Metcalf there uh, during a preseason when they when they drafted him. Once he did that, I'm like, oh well, he's a goner. I'm sorry. I think uh, I just needed to delete that from. Uh, my mental faculties. <laughs> At the sight, I think he, it was blinding how how like pale he was as well. Um, but yes, hey Jensen. Yes, sir. I'm, I'm gonna give you the last word, mate. Um, it's been a couple of weeks now since Geelong lost a grand final. Yeah, here um, we go. To, to the Richmond Tigers, and and I'm not even gonna ask a question. I'm not gonna make any comments. Um, right now, I just want to give you the floor and and get you to express yourself and how you felt. Um, during the game and then after the game and where to where to for the Cats now with uh, Jeremy Cameron coming on board there with uh, with Tom Hawkins. Yeah, well, I think, um, yeah, it was a tough one to watch. Uh, I was sitting and watching and trying to have some dinner. Uh, Mr. Miyagi, I don't know. Uh, it's a nice little spot here. I uh, decided to do a pop-up. Anyway, we got some takeout dinner. It was a nice meal. Trying to enjoy that with the footy and nice, nice. watch a very, very tense game. Um, you know, as it was in the first half, you know, struggling to stay ahead, failed to capitalize on passages of play where, you know, we were dominating, just didn't put it on the scoreboard, um, and it showed. And like it, it, it came back to haunt us, obviously, uh, but ultimately. You know, in the second half, when they were when they were piling on the pressure, and we couldn't seem to string together three passes together to get into the forward fifty, what it all came down to at the end was uh, one man, Dusty Martin. He literally, he literally was the margin in the game. Mm. Like those, I mean, those three goals that he kicked or uh, I think it ended up being four was it he did kick four goals yeah but the three that mm-hmm. were in those integral stages like those match winning moments mm-hmm. he was there and um, Dangerfield despite his efforts uh, couldn't do that couldn't do the same on the other side um, can I just say I thought Dangerfield got off a bit scot-free to be honest yeah and I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the just the Australian media landscape or how we treat superstars here. But if someone of the stature of Dangerfield had a performance like this in a final in the States, let's say the NBA finals or the or the Super Bowl, you know, you would have heard about it for a long time and he would have been put under the spotlight. I just don't think he got given the, the scrutiny that he should have really for someone of his caliber and what he's meant to do. And I think he com- he was completely out of the game and he disappeared in that second half and even parts of the of the second quarter too, if I'm honest. Um yeah, I thought he had an absolute shocker and he isn't isn't criticized for it nearly enough from from a sporting perspective. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard to argue against um or make a case against uh you know, arguably our number one player and the most consistent dynamic player that we have. Um, or not consistent, but the most dynamic uh, player that we have on the list. But he, yeah, he definitely, you know, despite efforts, he definitely did not show up. And, you know, whether or not there was injury or he was being rested, turns out he was being rested in forward line all this time. And it wasn't just to rotate and give us a different look. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see. It will all come out to bear. But yeah, he just didn't have it on the day when when he really mm-hmm. needed it. And you know, it, it, I think it's a I think it's a confluence of Dangerfield, Selwood, 
you know, obviously Ablett, but I mean, come on, the guy bloody tore his shoulder in the first mm. five seconds mm. of the game and still yeah, played yeah. on. So credit to Gaza, him. Gaza, Gaza's a legend. He, you know, yeah. he, he gets a pass. But um, mate, that goal before halftime for Martin, yeah. uh, I think that that's really what did it. Uh, yeah. I think, you know, I was following the game, obviously, like everyone else. And I thought, you know what, if they can hold it to four goals, they get a good chance. Because you kick, you kick a goal at the start of the third and you're five goals up and it becomes a very different game. Yeah. Uh, but the moment for mine, the moment Dusty scored that goal just before half time, and sort of punished Geelong a bit for not taking all the... I mean, mind you, Geelong did take most of their chances. I mean, if you see a, the general kicking without looking at the individual uh, opportunities one by one, you'd say, okay, that return that return is actually all right in, in an AFL game. No one's going to kick uh, eight, and, eight, eight and zip, you know what I mean? You're not kicking eight goals, zero behinds. So mm. you're going to kick behinds, but it, the problem comes when you start um, separating every opportunity on its own, and some of them were quite... Like they were like sodas, to be honest. They should have been kicked. I think Guthrie missed a sitter, and there were a couple of others. Oh, but, yeah, like Gear Myers. Yeah, sorry, Myers. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, had to was... run in. Only had to do is run in an extra twenty yeah. meters. He had open space, and he did. I thought I thought oh. that one was particularly painful, to be honest. And I'm like, mate, this is going to come back and haunt them. But you know, uh, yeah, Dusty, mate, too good, Richmond. Three premierships in four seasons now, and yeah, it's um too bad, mate. What do you think? Uh, you have the stock to go again next season? I think. Um, well, I think uh, first off, the signings, the re-signings that we had, Zach Tui just signed on, uh, integral part of our back line. Um, Who's Zach Tui? And- He's dead to me. But please keep going. Oh yeah, sorry, sorry. Of uh, part of the Geelong back defense, uh, turns out he can kick a footy pretty well. Uh, he definitely couldn't do that when he was back in Carlton. Oh, that's it. That is not true. Let's no, 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 no. Tui was always a good. Now, now that you refresh my memory, I feel like I need to say this. So, uh, Tui was a very good player, always was, and I think you know he just got sick of the uh, medi- mediocrity that we've been in for twenty years, and he left. Can I just say one thing that did make me happy uh, out of Geelong losing is that Lockie Henderson did not get a premiership medallion. And I don't even care that I'm a sore loser about that. But continue, please. <laughs> yeah, well, it was put on our rookie list. So I think, um, you know, we, we, we did our best to, you know, appease your um, appease your biases there, you know, in, in demeaning him and belittling him in any way possible. But, um, but yeah, I mean, he earned a spot. So that's good. Um, yeah, aside from that, we signed who we need to sign, Brendan Path, that you know, made a decision on him being part of our uh, midfield moving forward. Gave up on uh, a few young stars in um, Lockie Fogarty and uh, Nakia Cockatoo. Mm. Sent those guys away, uh, one of which is going, is going to your mob. Sure uh, is. I think he's been a good pick, Fogarty. Let's see. Yeah, no, he's just, there's just not enough not enough space in um, you know Geelong's team to give him a fair go and to develop him. So, yeah, I hope he turns out to be a good player for you guys. Uh, but aside from that, uh, Harry Taylor is the big one that comes to mind. Just having that extra solid tall, who I think, you know, I mean, we'll definitely try to go and draft one. I mean... Most talls take a few years to develop, especially in the back line. So who knows what will happen there? Maybe we pick somebody off the uh, rookie list or just make a few trades for somebody. But yeah, we'll definitely need to address that uh, second tall in our back line. Uh, Blixars did a job. You know, Stuart, Tom Stewart seems continues to shine. He's the Corey Enright of this generation. And yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's doing bits for us. Um, but yeah, midfield's the same. I think honestly, Mo, if if I had to put any money on it, I think Selwood is due for a Luke Hodge esque move back into the half back line. Mm. I don't think he, um, considering his injuries and everything, I don't think he's consistently performing in the midfield anymore. No. So so yeah, there's there's definitely some rejigging to be done in the midfield. Uh, forward line, obviously. I mean, I, I think Hawkins is a restricted free agent this this time around. I don't think he's re-signed, to my knowledge. Well, obviously, Jeremy Cameron 
um, Sean Higgins, who we just picked up, and um, yeah, that that should um, that should address some issues. Uh, Jerry Jeremy Cameron, I mean, solid player. We've been trying to get Hawkins a second um, tall forward to run with for ages, and you know, uh, radically, uh, some other players are coming to mind, but. Yeah, Jeremy Cameron seems to be it, and what a player he is. If he can, you know, perform the way he did in GWS, uh, that got him to the grand final last or the season prior, I think he'll do bits for us. But, um, yeah, it's definitely an ageing list mm-hmm. uh, that needs some replenishing, especially in the midfield. So we'll see. We will see how these, the next younger generation, path it, see if he can consistently perform in there. And then, yeah, others to be named. Good stuff, mate. Well, that's all right. I think you guys will be just fine. Um, you've been there and thereabouts for many years now, so seem to make the right moves at the right time and and bring in players to keep it to keep it really flowing. Like you haven't really had sort of many down years where you've had high picks um, for a long time now. So you're doing something right. Although, yeah, happy to see you make a granny and lose it. So I can't say I was too too sad about that because uh, you know yeah, what i was well, i was surprised i asked a lot of people and they said that actually they um the the support was mostly towards geelong is that right like sort of the general sentiment from people who weren't supporters of either team from what i heard people were leaning more towards geelong than richmond but i'm like no why would you do that they're coached by one of the scott brothers um but anyway that's um it is what uh, it is Mm. Such is the hatred for Richmond. Yeah, maybe, man. I don't know. Basha Hawley plays there, so I can't really go against that. You know? Yeah, you're right. You know, secretly, I don't really hate him because of Basha. He's mm. a top bloke. I mean, obviously, met him in person, and you obviously know him in person. So, nah, just a top bloke. Um, but still, the team, he's, the team he plays for, absolute mm. rubbish. Jensen, this was fun. That was a blast, mate. Been, um, it's been a while. Oh, yeah, I've been uh, been raring to get back. So yeah, happy uh, happy you found the time for me. I'm ha- <laughs> <laughs> you know what? The problem is people will hear this and believe it, and actually they don't know that you're the problem in all this. But anyway, thanks a lot for coming on, mate. Um, it's been great to to chew this with you, and we still have to talk about Man United some other time. But you know, things um things happened this week that we just had to cover in America. So. We'll have you on very soon. All right, I look forward to it. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, Mo and Friends Sports Podcast, and we'll chat to you soon.